In football, the fourth quarter is where the magic happens. It's where games are won, where champions are made, and in business, it's where sales teams become legends. That's why HubSpot built Sales Hub to give sales reps the deal-making tools they need to win their Q4. Sales Hub's prospecting workspace organizes your schedule, goals, and to-do list in one place to save your team precious fourth quarter time. And smart sequences help sales reps close deals faster than ever. So get ready to dominate Q4 with Sales Hub. Learn more at HubSpot.com slash sales. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Akome. So let's get started. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here back with another episode. And today in the guest chair, I have Kunbi Odubogun. She is an industry-leading business attorney, speaker, and digital media expert with over 12 years experience in the legal and events industries. She is partner at Oduberg, a boutique business law firm that provides legal services to creative entrepreneurs. With a keen eye for detail and an unwavering commitment to her client's success, Kunbi has built a reputation as a trusted legal advisor to startups, small businesses, and creative professionals. In addition to her work at Oduberg, Kunbi is also the creator of two online businesses, Legally Set, which is a contract template shop offering ready-made contract templates for creative entrepreneurs, and Perfect, a luxury events and lifestyle resource. In today's episode, Kumbi shares how she was able to start these side hustles while working as an attorney, and also how she transitioned from her full-time job to her own firm, as well as how she's transitioning from her first business that she started. So many gems shared in this episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get right into it. Kumbi, welcome, welcome to the guest chair. Thank you. Such a pleasure to have you here. Um, you are an ultimate side hustler. Whenever I meet an attorney who side hustles, y'all, I just bow down because I don't know how, when you get the time and you have two kids. So, okay, break it down for us. So you went to law school. Did. What, what did you see yourself doing out of law school? So for sure, I knew I wanted to do business law. I'm not mm -hmm. even trying to be funny. Like I've known... Like since I was little, that, Why is that I wanted to be a business. Well, because um, growing up as a Nigerian, everybody would tell you that we're the professional side hustlers. Mm -hmm. We're the professional side, but even hustlers, period. Everything is like, I remember they used to ask me when I was little, what does your dad do? He's a businessman. I don't know what that means. You're I didn't right. even know right. what the man did, but like, he's a businessman. What does your mom do? She's a businesswoman. Oh. So like, for me, like, do you know what I mean? So it's, the idea of business mm -hmm. was like the goal. And I knew I wanted to be an attorney. I don't know. Like some of the reasons aren't actual legitimate reasons. I think it was more familial pressure in that, it, oh, you talk too much. You should do law kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind You'd of just, good at that. you know what I mean? You know how they all say like, yeah, oh, cho -cho -cho -cho, you must be a lawyer. So I kind of just ran with it and it, mm -hmm. it just stuck like forever. I was like, okay, I want to be a lawyer. Came to America and found out the ugly truth that What's you have that? to first go through university, oh, yes. get a whole degree first yes. before you can even attempt law school. That was shocking. <laughs> so, because <laughs> that's not the situation. Oh, it, elsewhere. can you just go to law school in Nigeria? Yeah. Oh. You can get a bachelor. Well, you this it's still two tiered, but you get yeah. a bachelor's degree in law. Okay, so you could do that first. You know what I mean? So it was it was strange, but you did it. I made it happen. You made I did. It. What did you do after you graduated? It was the most um, what I call magical experience. I went for my first interview. I think a couple of months before law school was going out, and the man, this sweet older Jewish man was just talking to me about Nigeria. I thought it was the funniest thing. And I just knew that that was where I wanted to work. So I started working out of a firm in New York City. Um, funny enough, it wasn't business law. It was a criminal defense law firm. <laughs> that sounds fun. I don't know why I think that's so fun. <laughs> it was fun for me because first of all, I'm obsessed with law and order and like criminal minds. Right. So it was fun for me for like the first six months until I realized like, okay, no, this is getting really serious. <laughs> 
these are some serious cases. Right. So, um, yeah, but then uh, it was truly, I think it was meant to be because in that firm, they wanted to branch out into more general practice. Mm-hmm. And so um, we started building that practice together. And hand in, it just started with like business immigration. And then all of a sudden we were doing business law okay. and grew it into an actual functioning um, arm of the business. And I thought that was just amazing. So that's what I did right out of law school. And I was there for 11 going on 12, like almost 12 years Get before out. I transitioned into my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't hear a lot of attorneys. Well, the ones that I've met on this show, mm-hmm. I don't hear a lot of them stay that have been there that long, or at least not at the same firm. Like they transition Mm-mm. maybe in-house first. So it sounds like you had a good mm-hmm. experience and you got to be a part of transforming the firm. Yes. See, um, it's one of those things where I say, like I said, I feel like it was meant to be. Yeah. I got it was it was so hands on. It was a small firm. It was literally three attorneys when like when we got started. And it, any attorney would tell you that it's those smaller firms in which you get hands on experience for real. Like a yeah. lot of times in bigger law firms, you're doing like maybe a fraction of the work and then other people are doing it. You get to really get into the gritty of it. But also that firm became my family. My boss literally came to Nigeria for my wedding. What? So it wasn't like, yeah. So he came for my kid's That's first amazing. birthday. It's not. Yeah. So it, it felt right, but it also gave me the opportunity being able to do that primarily, but also allowed me to do so many other things like my side hustles. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just the perfect fit. Let's talk about these side hustles. So when did you start side hustling while you were working? <laughs> I started almost immediately, honestly, because, um, well, not immediately, but like um, I graduated law school in 2010. Okay. And um, my side hustles have always started from passion projects. It's never been, for me, what's curious is that it's never, most of them have never really been side hustles first. Okay. It was more like, oh, I was doing something passionately like blogging. Like you don't really hear the blogging aspect of a business model as much now, mm-hmm. but in 2012, <laughs> that's like, you know, that was when we're really online doing oh, yeah. like a lot of dumping yes. on the internet yes. when it came to information. So um, I started two blogs. One was a Tumblr account and I was just blogging about my law school experience. It was called Legally Present. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, posting a bunch of memes about the, like legal experience. And the other one was when I got engaged in 2012, I started like blogging about my wedding and it's just those two little things that happened. And then they just kind of blossomed into two really incredible projects for me. My wedding blog was called Isle Perfect. It was literally just me and a couple of my bridesmaids and like Twitter friends. I post stuff and share about my engagement experience. And then one day I wake up and there are 1 million views. Get out. Yeah. Was that on the Tumblr platform as well? No, so that one was on Blogspot. Okay. Oh, good old Blogspot. <laughs> like, I know, it's nostalgia, like on Google's free blogging platform called Blogspot. You know, wedding is big business, so I'm not even surprised when I got married. I definitely was like, what business can I start? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's so much money to be made here. But I just couldn't figure it out. There is so much money. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, with the wedding discussion, right? There's so much money to be made Mm -hmm. and um, you just really have to find the right angle. So a lot of people will just go for what they see other people doing because it's like, um, like, you know, like there's money, it's money in it. Like just find what you can replicate. But I find that I've seen a lot of people try to disrupt the wedding industry in terms of certain angles and then they spend a lot of money going into it and then it crashes out because the problem with weddings though is that it's a very... It's the, it's the word volatile, but it's a very quick business in that something that's in this year is not yes. might not be in next year right. or might not be in after like two or three seasons. So you have to really be like very considerate about what kind of part of it you want to be. Mm-hmm. And be ready to pivot. You're so right about that. Like a style one year, it's like these kind of chairs. And now everyone wants the gold chairs with the you know gold back and the white. It's like, I always say, I'm so glad mm-hmm. I got married when I did because I could not take the pressure of getting married. The Instagram pressure of getting married. (laughs) I mean, I cannot. Yeah. I would lose my mind. Like, um, especially, I I can't even imagine. It's not literally nothing is the same. Nothing. (laughs) Now, like, you know, there's, there's, and I'm not taking away from it because it's a beautiful thing. And you know what? Like the truth, it's an expensive, it's a, it's a big deal. It's yeah. big business, but it's also a very big day for not just for you, but for right. the vendors and people that are putting in their time. I don't know if I could survive it now. Yeah. 
So what business did you shift Isle Perfect into? So from the blog, how did you start to monetize? So from the blog, like the blog was, um, like I said, initially, the whole blogging idea of it was actually the model, basically, Mm -hmm. where it was, um, you know, views automatically made ads, which made sense. And so the amount of people you were getting was doing, like, it just made sense like that. But then it started moving. And the way I started finding it was that a lot of vendors were following the platform. Mm. A lot of vendors were like, you know, also looking at the content and looking to be featured and everything. So we first shifted into the directory model Uh where it was like, okay, you have vendors, Uh but then like everything is always never a forever pivot. So you're now thinking, so how else can I then like service these vendors Mm -hmm. and make sure that they're getting a good bank for their buck? We started doing things like the Isle Perfect Trends and Tastings, which was like um, having micro events in cities and having vendors participate in it, like, you know, and then, you know, selling tickets, but also being able to leverage that into like printables Mm. and things that our couples could use. After a while, that model just kept growing in that sense. But then 2016 came. Anybody that's a blogger knows that was like probably peak views, blogs and everything. And then you start wondering how else you're going to like, how it's going to be a sustainable model more Mm -hmm. than a couple of dollars here and there Mm -hmm. ads. So now then it started being like brand partnerships. Like we've partnered with Dove, um, GoDaddy, um, Crate and Barrel, like larger brands who wanted to see their content translated into our audience. Mm -hmm. That worked for a while. And then I started getting the itch again. (laughs) I'm always getting the itch. And I decided to pivot fully into what is now Perfect. Okay. What's the difference with Perfect? So Isle Perfect is a wedding blog. It was Mm -hmm. for the, you know, whoever wanted to be Isle Perfect on their wedding day. I, in 2017, I had my first child, my son. And that was when I started getting the itch because I felt like, I wasn't in the space where it was just weddings I wanted to talk about or Mm. cater to. I was seeing like avenues where there were moms now and like, like what I like to say, the Isle Perfect couple had become like somebody else who was maybe buying a home or like, you know, looking for like content for their kid's birthday. And so the name Perfect, which basically is just the perfect fit, like a a combination of the two words came about. Okay. I didn't want it's I think it's harder to sell Isle Perfect to somebody that's not planning a wedding. Mm-hmm. So the idea was to pivot into Perfect, made sure I got the trademark and everything done before I announced the whole rebrand yep. of the site. And the idea for me was that with Perfect, then you're able to sell more things like the Perfect Home, mm-hmm. the Perfect Party, Perfect Kids, Perfect Anything, and then tie that on there and kind of grow with your audience. So it wasn't just one audience anymore. It was a tough rebrand having to move something that already had so many legs. Um, but I'm so glad that we did it. And so that's how we started to cater. How did you bring your audience along with that journey? Oh, that was an interesting one. So for, for me, it was um, with any rebrand, anyway, I feel like there has to be like some carrying on for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of um, like, you know, something's happening. Yeah. Sign up for our newsletter so you can be updated. Okay. Um like a lot of like even I even dabbled in surveys like what do you want to see (laughs) on on the blog but most importantly what I did was I think I did a week of giveaways okay so it was like you know people were even doubling down on it because one it was something that they wanted to see to be fair because they like the thing I was mentioning about like the wedding audience is that usually what ends up happening is that once the person plans their wedding they're over it they're over it can I tell you, like, I will hide wedding content. I'm like, I don't want, I don't ever I want to see this again in my life. No. <laughs> Girl, who are you telling? I, even as deep as I can be in this for space. You. Everybody else, I'm happy for you. I just, you know, planning a wedding. There's a little PTSD involved <laughs> mm-hmm. in just mm-hmm. all the things that you need to plan. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was me too. It was post, like... PTSD and I felt like it was just and then you now start even getting a little jaded after a while it's like okay I've seen this before and I'm like okay god this is somebody's big day (laughs) like why am I finding myself rolling my eyes like when that person is in that season so for me that was important so Mm -hmm. I I still like I wanted to be able to talk about it like maybe not me but like somebody on my team would talk about the wedding aspect there's always somebody (laughs) new couples are being made every single hour so there's somebody that's in there but then also I still like we had offshoots coming from it. So like the perfect 
main page is Perfect Weddings. Mm-hmm. We have Perfect Bling, which mm. is just completely engagement rings. So Ooh. some people are in that season too, yeah. where it's just like, that's all they wanted to do. So I felt like the way to monetize that, obviously, yeah. is be able to maybe, for instance, get re- um, like commission from like in, um, rings that you sell, okay. which is <laughs> rings are big business, oh, if anybody yeah. knows that. That's, yeah. like, whew, that's a big That is where the money is. Like being able to dab, like, you know, still be able to give that person what exactly what it is they're looking for mm-hmm. and do that. Now we're all in the season. A lot of people are in the season of tidying up their living spaces or mm-hmm. homes or buying homes. So Perfect Home started last yes. year and it went straight to like 50,000 followers in like a very short period of time. Because guess what? People are always looking at houses. <laughs> Either they can afford or right, cannot afford. Right. I, Kumbi, yes. I stay looking at houses. Yes. I have an Instagram save folder that's just like interior design, you know, for the future. Like, <laughs> and I'll just save For my things. future millions. Yeah, for my future million dollar house. Like, it's going to happen. Why not? Yeah. Well, when I moved to Dallas, because Dallas is always on my Instagram feed talking about this is where your $200,000 will go. And you're like, wait, what? Listen, listen. So, yeah. I can't. We'll talk offline. But y'all, I can't do yeah. Texas. Sorry to my Texas people. <laughs> me neither I so i just keep saving y'all gonna have to give me some pros and cons because one i'm a city girl two mm-hmm. these southern states you guys they, they know scare me but yes yes okay yeah you guys know what she's saying you know you know what because i'm talking about we all, we're all on the texas same page. and florida you get the side eye mm-hmm, a little bit exactly. <laughs> so if i'm to understand you correctly you know as you're running this side hustle are you monetizing through sponsorships plus also like banner ads and things on your website? Yes. Okay. So, um, and I can say for like, to be completely candid, the monetization wasn't happening for a long time oh. because like I said, I really was doing it just because mm-hmm. like it was something that I truly enjoyed yeah. and I hadn't figured out, um, how to, one of anybody would tell you, like even the smartest people or even people that go to school for it don't necessarily make the best business owners. Mm. So at first, like it takes a lot of like adjusting into that space and realizing that, okay, wait, I actually have something of value here. And it didn't click for me. I was like, I call myself one of the OG wedding bloggers because it was like a period where it was just like echoes and echoes, mm-hmm. especially in the like black wedding space, mm-hmm. which like, you know, there was like Munaluchi and bridal, um, I think bridal, um, bliss, bridal bliss or something. Yeah. Well, yes. And yeah. So there's a few, but it was like, okay, this kind of content, like, especially if you were trying to produce, like, like present another like side of that space or the spectrum, it was echoes. And, you know, they're throwing the money at the white blogs a lot. Like, mm-hmm just generally because they're the ones that are forward facing a lot of times, but like it was hard to like really convince advertisers. But let me tell you something. One thing that's for sure in this world is that the audience though is going to keep showing up and Mm -hmm. they're going to keep running those numbers high. And after a while, people don't even argue with the numbers anymore because it's like, okay, look at what numbers I'm doing. And this is how, so for the longest part, I didn't realize how to monetize it beyond like the just the face of it, mm-hmm. like the banner ads. But then I started seeing things like affiliate commission, yeah. like affiliate links and things like that, because now you're sharing things that you actually like, mm-hmm. but also including a link with it in which people can purchase and you make commission. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, my lawyer ass that never knew anything about math is doing the math. And it's like, wait a minute now. Okay, this, <laughs> this, this is actually yeah. viable business. Right. So that was how we started to change. Okay. At one point, we even started getting like, you know, contacts from like music labels or something where it's like, oh, this is a wedding song. Is there any way you can tie this into like something? Interesting. Yeah. That was the first time that that had ever happened. And so that was like, you know, even because it's a new space for you, you start to learn new ways to monetize. Mm -hmm. And so when they came and they're like, oh, we have this song, it already has like a 1 million views on YouTube, but uh, can you also integrate it into your marketing? Because we want to like, escalate like the one to get it out to yeah. the wedding crowd sure i'll take your check <laughs> that's how we started to discover new ways to monetize right. how much did it grow to as far as like revenue per month if you even are comfortable sharing a ballpark is it something where mm-hmm. you ever considered leaving your job to do perfect full-time 
Um, so yeah, I definitely, um, at one point I would say that there was a month where, and it's not, it's not like large numbers by yeah. any chance because I compared to like the potential, I would say like there could have been more, but at some point it was like, you know, you were seeing numbers like 20,000 come in on yeah. something that you're doing like passively, mm-hmm. like not, not super actively yeah. in there. And that's, but then just started growing, like there were higher months and things like that. But, um, for me, the thing with Perfect was always that. Um, I knew that if I left my job, the potential was like limitless because the kind of content that you're trying to like push, especially for a blog that posts, let's say four times a month or like eight times a month is really something that could add up. So I would say if you think about it, it's money that's coming in without many expenses, Mm -hmm. like really beyond like the, the content. And then maybe I started to expand into staff. Okay. And that's when, um, like, that's when it started to really grow. So I would say, like, even at some points, it was growing into something that would bring in even 30,000 or more. Yeah. And it's like, okay, wait, this is a side hustle a that's no longer becoming. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you decide to do then? I just kept drilling down on it and just trying to, like, make sure I was marketing to that space. Right. For instance, um, we um, we have a great audience in Nigeria as well. So there's even that Nigerian aspect. None of the income that I was even mentioning was including that space. Yeah. So I registered the company in Nigeria as well. Oh. And started to monetize on that end as well. And so we're partnering with some brands there as well with through a PR firm that we just loved and was like, you know, really contacting, um, like partnering with us and stuff as well. But Nikayla, like really, like it was that um, I saw that it was growing, mm-hmm. but then I also saw that I was really into being a lawyer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. So for me, I started to find like what perfect became to me was I started trying to figure out how I could do the law thing full time. Mm-hmm. Like I was doing it full time, but really doubled down on that space. So with perfect, I started to think about things like, oh, the vendors here, these people are really taking care of so much money, mm-hmm. like, you know, and so much and bringing so much of value. How can I be of service to them okay. as well? And that is when I started really thinking about like expanding my focus to the creative business and to like, you know, what event pros, which is what um me and my law firm partner now, like, you know, also, we also focus on like event pros in a good chunk of the industry. Uh, but it was really from that because I saw that, okay, yes, I'm creating this thing that's doing well, like doing well enough for me to feel like it's something we're still trying to find, like, you know, product routes, how we can be of like, more of a stable wedding, like, you know, a stable event and lifestyle business. But then I saw this space and I just ran with it. And what exactly was that space? When you say event pros, what what does Mm -hmm. that mean? So with event professionals, a lot of times I find that um, they're creating and they're doing a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But then one thing that I was starting to see and hear from like my friends and people that are in the industry was that they weren't really protecting their business. So they weren't really handling like, you know, the legal aspect of businesses. And then even, and I think as my luck would have it, and maybe not theirs, you started to see more lawsuits because events are, um, such a delicate and beautiful thing in people's lives. And because even if it's weddings or parties, I found that um, Mm. a lot of them were like, it it could turn sour really quick. And so there were a lot of lawsuits and I'd start getting calls from people that maybe I wasn't handling their stuff then, but it's like, I'm getting some trouble from a client. Like, can you help me look, um, can your law firm help me look at my contract? And that's where I just started to see so many red flags. Mm. And so for me, I created Legally Set, which is our contract template shop for them. Okay. My brain is always thinking about a hustle, but this was the next side hustle that just felt natural to me. What were some of the things you saw that were missing from their contracts? Oh gosh, like from the beginning, even something as simple as payment terms. Mm-hmm. And you would think that that's the one that a lot of people would focus on. But um, like a lot of people weren't having like payment terms that made sense in terms of how much they earned or how much was going to be non-refundable, when payments were due, how payments would be accepted, something as basic as that. But then my biggest mistake that I kept seeing was in the description of services. What do you mean by that? So anybody that has planned, I know you know, but like even with um, planning your wedding, like one thing that people get is the confusion between what the vendor has promised and what the client is expecting. Okay. I find that a lot of the conflict happens when there's a conflict between that statement, because all of a sudden a planner is expected to be the MC or the person that's <laughs> going to set up, set up and break down on the day. 
and um they're like uh that is not part of my job or right. maybe they were supposed to do like you know handling of the guests mm-hmm. in a certain way yeah. or like oh who's going to do the flower arrangement yeah, yeah. if those descriptions aren't clear you have a problem from the beginning right that is so true because you'll have some people who are like oh it's all hands on deck we were expecting you to just jump in <laughs> and start doing stuff like no 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 yeah there's a list of services Exactly. Or like even something is designing. Right. How did you promote the contract template business? So that was the great thing. So with having a company that already had like over 600,000 followers across different audiences, I call them perfect my funnel because <laughs> then it was, it, it was easy enough to obviously reach out to the exact audience that you were trying to reach. I think I've been very intentional about building my own personal brand as Mm -hmm. well in terms of like, you know, my own space on the internet. So for me, people already knew I was juggling business and perfecthood in some way or the other. So it was easy to be able to double dip into that audience. Mm -hmm. I also um, was really intentional about like, you know, even months before I launched legally set like I was very intentional about keeping the audience along Mm. like you know having little sessions or maybe weekly I talk something legal I'm also the kind of person that once I hear there's a new social media thing or the other I'll run to it so clubhouse was very helpful in terms of like you know just showing up and talking about the topic that I wanted like you know the topic that involved what I was going to sell okay you are on it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like that's like, it's, if it's stuff that I'm telling people right. to do or like advising people on, I really have to put my money where my mouth is. And so for me showing up even before I spend money on ads or any of mm-hmm. those, like, you know, the paid advertising, yes. like showing up and actually doing these things is so important to me. Marketing Made Simple, hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Marketing Made Simple brings you practical tips to make your marketing easy and more importantly, make it work. If you want to check it out, definitely start with episode, What Really Goes Into Writing a Sales Email. It was a recent episode from September, and I know that a lot of you guys can feel a little stumped at how to create an effective sales email and sales funnel. Well, in this episode, you get a real life example with a real business owner in the hot seat that walks you through what it looks like to write a great sales email. So listen to Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. I like the fact that although there is an active element, you know, like you just said, showing up, doing social, mm-hmm. being active and present. There is a lot of passive elements to the businesses that mm-hmm. you started. You know, you, yeah. you create these templates, they're done, they're for sale. Boom, you can go and get them. <laughs> that is a very smart <laughs> way to have a side hustle <laughs> when you have such a demanding mm-hmm. job as an attorney. Mm-hmm. How did that funnel work though? Was it something that was consistent with money? Was it also mm-hmm. something that ran you like five figures a month or was it, you know, like a slower process, slower revenue? So for, I think because I had so much time mm-hmm. prepping for it, like I would say yes and no, because the funnel, like, you know, in the beginning, because I already knew I was putting money into like, you know, the bill yeah. of the site to make sure that it was actually working. Um, I'm not the first person to do it. Like I've seen contract template shops come up right, so right. many times from other attorneys. So it's not like I was reinventing the wheel per se. I just obviously had the benefit of knowing what I wanted to do differently. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I know I was putting in money, um, like, you know, making sure that the contracts were drafted properly, like I was drafting them properly, but also making sure that I've always worked like with another attorney okay. just to make sure that it's not one-sided. Um, and now actually she's come on full-time and we are partners and co-owners of the Legally Set brand mm-hmm. because we do this together because these things are not a one-manship at all. Mm-hmm. My partner in the law firm, Leah Weinberg, we do both the law firm and the contract templates together now. And, um, thing about digital templates mm-hmm. though is like after a while it's not that much money that you're pushing into like running it apart from the ads yeah but the money's coming in because it's work that you've already done and work that you have the um, ease of yes. updating from time to time yes. without having to like stress about a physical product right. and like delivery and all those expenses so i would say it's a very convenient side also oh okay, of course <laughs> so you mentioned that yeah. you mentioned this law firm that you started but we have to talk mm-hmm. about 
your transition from the your original law firm that you worked at for what was it 11 mm-hmm. 12 years yeah. when did you decide to leave maybe 6 months before i actually decided like actually said it out loud mm-hmm. um it was more um i saw that um like i mean it was working for someone i understood that the firm will obviously move in the direction that it wanted to but i right. really wanted to be able to cater ex- like not exclusively, but particularly to creative business owners. Mm -hmm. I also have a big affinity, obviously, as a black woman to black entrepreneurs in general. So I wanted to be able to like, I I started getting a lot of people reaching out to me, like specifically even because I was a black woman. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you know what? I wanted to make sure that this is the person that's handling my things and everything. And because my whole firm, like the rest of the firm isn't really doing that. Like I said, it's mostly criminal defense. Like I won't be able to sell (laughs) what I'm doing. And because I was doing perfect and I was doing like, you know, like all these things just felt like it would be a conflict for me to stay there that longer with the dreams that I had of like expansion. I wanted to be able to run my own like business, but my own firm, the way I wanted to run it. And because Leah and I had worked, like we had started working on things together. I was like, you know, we should start a firm. Like we can do this. I feel like there's so much there and I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I started to run the numbers too. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is how much I would have to make to be able to like, feel like I'm not, I'm not a failure. (laughs) So let's, let's, um, I'm joking. That's the Nigerian in me, but like everybody knows with entrepreneur life, it's up and down. So to be able to make sure that I'm staying afloat. So um, I dabbled, like I, I started to like put my foot out and be like, oh, hey, if I started a firm, is this stuff that you would be interested in? And honestly, it was the best decision. We It took us a while, but like we started January 1st and decided it was for us. And then nice. we've been going ever since. And how is it gaining new clientele or even getting the word out that, hey, this is our firm, we do this? That's something that I'm learning on the go. I'm not even going to lie. I think it's interesting. Like one thing that you don't, you you forget about like especially when you're moving from your side hustle to like a main hustle mm-hmm. like when it's something you've been doing and then you do it is that the responsibilities kind of double yeah. <laughs> with like you going into your own thing because now you're the boss and now you're the person that has to keep the business going and there's just so many aspects of it so it, it's 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 different mm-hmm. with professional with with professional um organizations or businesses like a law firm or an accounting firm you have to like Whatever you think the popular way of advertising is, it might not necessarily be the one that works for you. Mm. So it's joining like these organizations in the back end, going to the quote unquote Westchester business fair and getting local like, you know, businesses to know what your business is. There's a lot of like, you know, paid advertising too. Mm -hmm. like their firms that do this and the marketing, but it's also just showing up Mm. a lot. Like you will find, I'm sure if you... I'm sure Siri is listening right yeah, now. So yeah. probably when you go on Instagram now, <laughs> you're going to see yep. just a bunch of law firm ads. Mm-hmm. But it's for me, I still lean on my what has worked for me from the beginning, which has always been like my form of advertising, where it's like I'm weaving into my regular day. I'm doing content as I feel like it's right and appropriate. And for some reason, it keeps reaching people. And so it brings in like, mm-hmm. like, like people still come because they keep seeing your face or your message showing up in things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how we've been doing. But we've also been tapping into like the more traditional things. Our email newsletter never misses okay. something that's constant. If you follow Legally Set and if you sign up for the Legally Set letter, for instance, and we use Legally Set as a funnel too, okay. because people buy contract templates, yeah. but then some people need like customized, more right. specific. Where they have follow-up um, questions and follow things up like questions that. Follow-up questions and things like yeah. that. And Legally Set is just a shop. Mm-hmm. It's a shop because, I mean, we're not licensed to practice law in 50 states of America. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And we're not creating like attorney-client relationships. Yep, that's my disclaimer. Now, question, speaking of that whole disclaimer business how do you manage when you are still working at the firm the whole conflict of interest thing or just the rules that they have i saw this year a an influencer post about um joining a firm and them finding out about her mm-hmm. fashion i saw, you saw that yeah how do mm-hmm. you navigate that you navigate at beginning and end. Unfortunately, like things are changing really yeah, fast. Yeah. So you, it's everything begins and end with your employment agreement. Okay. A lot of stuff will begin and end with your employment agreement. So that's why it's very important that you check what you've signed mm-hmm. because if something states that you can't make certain income in certain ways, it has to be a full-time job and it can't be something that 
it's like, you know, like you can make income elsewhere yeah. or something similar, depending on what that language is, yeah. is really important. If a lot of people are signing things that are open-ended, I did see that situation and it was uh, like, I felt so horrible for her because it depends on what is obviously inside her agreement. Right. But um, because um, a lot of people are even influencers, non-influencers, but a lot of people are making money now through content. Mm -hmm. It's really important that you see what you're signing before you enter into them. Even doctors have that. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, I'm sure there's something in like doctor agreements yeah. that say you can't do like, you know, like side consultations right, or right. like, you know, share certain yeah. things. Um, it, the employment agreement is really, really important. Mm -hmm. so I'm just making sure. So I navigated that because I knew what was in my own employment yes. agreement. And I also, I was also very candid. I've always been candid with my employers mm -hmm. just be, like, but that's the benefit of like a smaller firm. Yes. Obviously. It really is nice when you can have a relationship and you feel supported mm -hmm. in your outside ventures and they know that they don't need to be threatened by it, but the world is mm -hmm. shifting. Like it is. the industry of influencers and their reach on TikTok and all these other platforms mm -hmm. didn't exist 10 years ago. And so now employers are getting a little bit more up yeah. to it. And they are, I think they're mm -hmm. afraid too of people just like coming to work and making it's a bunch fear. of content, like do your job. <laughs> you no, know, it's fear. I think, yeah. I, I mean, that's, it's legitimate, <laughs> like, to be honest. Legitimate. And honestly, like, like, I can imagine. It's a slippery slope because I definitely don't want my mm -hmm. doctor, like, filming any content of me. I mean, I, I don't want to go back on oh. IG and see, like, my shoes in your, like, even if you didn't put my face, it's a slippery slope, okay? This generation coming up. It... <laughs> oh. But it is like it's. I'm, I'm, listen, I just don't want. I don't. I don't want to I don't go on my hear no story my old person rant. on your Instagram stories about me. Yeah. The question I asked in your office today. No. <laughs> no. Like exactly. Like I've seen. But you know what? Yeah. We're laughing, but it's legit. Like all yeah. of a sudden, you're the story behind a whole Twitter thread. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I follow you. Why? You might not know, but Doc, I follow you on IG. I see your uh -huh. stories. Like, like where's my business here? <laughs> it's gonna be a real concern it's gonna be a real law concern and by the yeah. way guys this mm -hmm. is a tangent but you know this might be applicable to you guys as well because i know as yeah. a lot of businesses like you're trying to make content around your business right make sure mm -hmm. that your customers don't feel violated like i remember i went for a facial mm -hmm. and after yes. i was leaving the facial i realized when my eyes were closed the woman was taking video of me I went in on her in the DMs and she took it down. I was like, are so. you kidding me? <laughs> like, rightfully so. Permission to film people, even if you're trying to promote your business. So make sure mm -hmm. you're getting permission and you're not violating people's rights. Also make sure you're reading the terms and conditions before you sign up. Just yeah. because you see that um, the the hairstylist has written in all caps yeah. <laughs> about so many things on that booking page. We all know what I'm talking right, about, right, where right. you're already debating whether or not you're going to this hairdresser yes. in the first place. If you're taking the risk because you love their work, right? Listen, Just make sure you scroll down scroll because all I the way down. Photos and videos and caps yeah. will be we'll taken. Be taken. I'm like, I'm make like, sure you dress cute or something like that. <laughs> Yes. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> if uh -uh. I feel like you're yelling so, at me, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. <laughs> listen, uh, you know, you have, I have to. Misa knows my problems. Yes. I'm sending her a message. I'm sending her a screenshot, yeah. a friend. And I'm like, do you think I should go to this? And she's like, Kumbi, the woman is yelling at you <laughs> right now. So, yeah. <laughs> what do you want All to jokes do? Aside, so, yeah. on both sides of the equation, mm. read your agreements. Yeah. They're changing now. So nowadays, mm. we had a little bit more freedom. Creating content on the mm -hmm. side was not something employers were thinking about. Now they're thinking about it. No, and, they're, they and those agreements are including it. So, mm -hmm. you know, be aware yeah. of what you're signing. And mm -hmm. um, I know some people will take a risk and do it anyway, but a risk will have consequences. Okay. <laughs> It will. Yeah. And also employment agreements, some agreements too will have like morals clauses mm. and a morals clause sometimes like could lean towards like, you know, you're not allowed to bring like certain kind of negative press or whatever, mm -hmm. like, you know, behaviors could also like be cause for termination or something like that. Yeah. My policy is if you don't understand it, don't sign yeah. it. Like it's just as simple as that because what you, you could be signing up something that's really going to cost you money in the future. Oh, Yes. Now, I understand that you are considering selling Perfect. Mm -hmm. How did you come to that decision and why mm -hmm. did you want to do that? 
Um, so for me, it's always been, I feel like at some point during your side hustle journey, you have to make the decision. I feel like at some point you will have to make the decision whether or not you want to upgrade it to your main hustle, or if you want to continue, you either want to continue like in perpetuity of it being like something that's just like something that you're holding on to. Like I mentioned, like I, one thing that I've always known about Perfect is that the revenue could be way bigger than what I've done with it. I've managed it because it's the hustle that I've been doing. But like for me, it's a combination of that and knowing that it would do greater things in somebody's hands. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea that I've also, I feel like I'm transitioning through that season again. I have a second child now. My hands are full. (laughs) Let's just, that's the, that's the nicest way to put it. (laughs) And... She's something, Um, but like, um, so it's just like, you know what? I just feel like there's always a point where you realize that somebody else can do more for Mm -hmm. it than you might be able to do. And that it's just something that needs a particular kind of attention. So I'm in that stage of, you know, like speaking through offers and things like that of like, you know, preparing for a a possible exit. Okay. How do you reconcile Mm -hmm. how much if you were able to give it more time or hire more staff to give it more time? Mm how much you would be able to make versus how much you'll make from Mm -hmm. the sale. I think it just depends. Like um, in terms of reconciliation, it was more that I came to the point where I did the math and I was like, even if it made X amount of money, can I really focus on it full time? If my passion and where I'm feeling like I'm really called to service in the law aspect, Mm. like it would always be something where I'm distracting like myself and my audience with the two things, because it's like, okay, this is Kumbi of Perfect, but it's also Kumbi of the law firm. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. And so like, yeah, so I just felt like it was it was a situation where it wasn't something I could do passively anymore. Mm. It wasn't something where I could be like, okay, this was what I'm doing. And also for me, like, honestly, like on a more personal note, I felt like at some point it starts to become not a conflict of interest, mm. but it's like if I'm servicing these people, the creatives in this space, like I want to make sure the line is clear that I'm not also their competitor. In any way, like not necessarily, but like I'm not, but like yeah. I just want to be able to make that even like I just want to to really be able to relay that I'm that person in one lane than the other. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it's in a season of growth yes. in which I feel like somebody could really take it on and like get into that space mm-hmm. and do something really amazing with it mm-hmm. before the followers don't mean anything anymore. <laughs> I feel like with any business, when you're trying to like weigh whether or not it's worth of value, you want to make sure that it's of value when you're selling it. So it's of value. And I think it's something that would make sense to somebody else. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. So reconciling that was not hard for me. I think I'm one of those people that would move really like I move with my gut okay. a lot, but I also move with at least some kind of educated pointing where yes. I'll do the math and realize, okay, yes, but even if I made this much, what's going to happen to my law business? Right. What's going to happen to this? And I don't want those to suffer just because yeah. I'm trying to, like what happens, there will always be for me, because maybe it's because of, obviously of the businesses that I've I've been, I've dealt with or the businesses that I've helped like, you know, work with. It's just, I always feel like there's an end date. What that end date looks like is different from everybody. Like obviously that end date could mean that it has grown or expanded into something else. And then now it's a new thing, like how Isle Perfect became perfect. There was an end date for one and became the next. Or it could be that you make $100 million and sell it to like, you know, X or Target or something. Or you decide that it's not for you anymore and change your completely pivot and change your business model. So for me, I feel like this is the natural, like the end date is not necessarily the end of the business, but the end of me as the person that's handling it. It's transition season and it's so good that you can Mm -hmm, recognize, you can have that conversation with yourself Mm -hmm. and recognize when, you know what, it's time, Mm -hmm. your time has come to part, Mm -hmm. your heart is somewhere else. And that's okay. Exactly. I'll keep on saying this, but it's like as entrepreneurs, we hire ourselves. It's not clear when you get to leave. Like when Mm -hmm. you get a job, it's more normalized for people to work somewhere for five years and then leave when you're an entrepreneur and all of a sudden you want to move to something different it there's like more stigma attached or people are like what Mm -hmm. you started a business like no i've been here for five years and i'm ready for a change or i've been here for 10 years and Mm -hmm. i'm ready for a change just like a normal human who started a job and wants something new I think so. And I think that conversation actually starts within, I love to study like women entrepreneurs. I love them. So like I've seen, like for me, I've seen like so many transitions. I think even um, like I had messaged Nicole Kane at one point when I was like trying to pivot, like, you know, like I've seen 
like models yeah. and I've seen things where they like a lot of people have been very candid about like you know their experiences right. selling yes. so for me to come to the decision to like want to exit I've seen that emotional like dilemma mm-hmm. and task it is I've seen the emotional consequences of sales so you have to do a lot of mental gymnastics in the beginning to get yourself where you are comfortable right. and you know for sure like okay it can be now this is what you're trying to do. Just know there's no take back. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You can't you can't ask for it back. <laughs> this is the, no, you can't. There are no take backs. Are you okay with whatever mm-hmm. direction this goes in yes. that you have no control over? Yes. So, like I said, like you're wrestling with yourself in the beginning and making sure that you are now at the point mm-hmm. where it's like okay. I have done the the numbers. I've also done the emotional. Yes, because your identity becomes wrapped up in it too. Exactly. It's literally one and the same. Like everything becomes like it's in any passion field business, you're putting so much more than money inside it. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. So like, there's a lot of like, wrestling that you have to do and have to like try and kind of start to try and distance your identity from that single thing. Because like you said, I could change my mind in five years and decide that this is something else. Or I could decide I don't want to do this anymore. Right. I could decide that this is not the season I'm in. So I have to be able to remove that and not have the incredible hangover or depression that comes with it because <laughs> I've removed myself from something that's that I thought was just part and yes. like my full purpose. So And you went from starting something yourself to now starting something Mm -hmm. with a business partner. What was that Mm -hmm. like? And how do you guys manage being in partnership? I'm so grateful. Like, I'm grateful that it was something that I really thought about. Like, I got, like, I remember running it by a bunch of people, even people that had partners were like, are you mad? (laughs) What are you doing? Like, like, especially right at the point when I turned 35 and I'm like, okay, I want to do this. And uh, one of my friends was like, I'm trying to get out of one right now. I don't know what you're doing, but it goes back to being able to do that mental work in the beginning and realize that this is what you're going to do. Going into a partnership is like a marriage. Yes. It's, it's, it is like lawyers would tell you that all the time because it's just about the same amount of paperwork you have to do to get out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. If, like it's simple as that. So um, like we know about like there's a law firm where the two partners, if you're from New York, you know what I'm talking about, where like they have had a big breakup and we see their ads on TV oh, all the time. But yeah. now it's only one name that's there. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about. So it gets really upward. But like it's because it's a lot of stuff that goes into yeah. it. So for me with my partner, we like I said, we she'd been working behind the scenes with me from the beginning, mm-hmm. from the beginning of the template shop. Like we've always done it together, but she wasn't sure she wanted to like really fully commit to law. And I was like, well, I am a very convincing person. So <laughs> I won't even like, it's okay. I'm sure you come around and then one day she came around, but it's a lot. And it's also removing the emotion from it from okay. the beginning. I believe in that hundred percent, regardless of what kind of business you're doing. Yeah. If you're going into a partnership, you need to remove the emotion from it yes. and do the work in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Make sure that your contracts are clear as to how things will be handled. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you both are understanding of what your business goals are yes. and what it is that you're long-term plans are, how long you envision being in this partnership, because emotions will cloud judgment, especially at the inception. And then when those start to fade, right. you start to get really antsy about what's left. Yes. It's the same thing with, like I said, with marriage, yeah. but like, it's like, you know, you want right. to make sure you're doing the work and checking in. Um, another thing is also like, you know, personality types and making sure that you understand that we are always doing some kind of personality understanding. She's super type A. I'm more on the, who oh God, just what I call vibes. But like, <laughs> we, we, we make it work. Yes. yes. <laughs> so like making sure that we're both understanding that I feel like in any business relationship, partnership or not, a lot of things, like a lot of conflicts can be resolved by making sure that assumptions aren't what we're doing, but we're really going down to the letter. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's so fun when two lawyers go into business together because it's the kind of rubbish that we talk about. Like, okay, so now let's be let's be serious. And let's and then we have lots of talking. Right. I imagine it's easier because you both know that, hey, mm-hmm. this is how we need to enter a partnership mm-hmm. legally. There's nothing 
emotional mm-hmm. here. I'm not saying I don't trust you or this or that, but we got to plan exactly. for an exit if we decide, hey, I want to mm-hmm. just focus on my family. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is how we would dissolve and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I just find that interesting because there's so many people who enter into unofficial partnerships. <laughs> and it could be do you hear my love? Yeah. It could be something as mm-hmm. people all the time, you know, when they ask me or they, they join podcast moguls, they're like, I think I need a co-host or, you know, me and my mm-hmm. co-host this. And I consider that a partnership. Okay. Like if you're going to start a podcast with someone, you guys need to have some agreements in place because I have seen people mm-hmm. break up and then it's like, all right, well, who gets the podcast? And I put all this work into it. The so Mm-hmm. What happens? You know, mm-hmm. you're going to continue making mm-hmm. money off this. Like any kind of partnership, you need to have a business agreement and all these other agreements. Cause you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I know you need a bunch of agreements. <laughs> you do. You yeah. do. You want to make sure that it's clear what the yep. intellectual property is. It yep. is intellectual property. You're doing things. You're creating ideas, a collaboration agreement at the very mm-hmm. least, mm-hmm. detailing what everybody's bringing and what happens if you guys decide to terminate that collaboration. Yes. It's really important. Yes. Because it's not even a matter of it's considered a partnership. It is a partnership. Yes. Anything in which you're doing something with another person for value or in exchange for something in any way or the other, even if it's not income generating right. is of value. You do not want a situation where things will turn ugly right. really fast right. and people will surprise you. Yes. And even if it doesn't, don't even you just want peace of mind? Peace of mind. It's just yeah. easier to know, oh, okay, mm-hmm. these are the steps we're going to follow. So you guys, I give you permission. If you have started a business with a friend and you did not do any kind of agreements, send them this episode, say, hey, after listening to this, I realized this is what we need. Again, not because I don't trust you or what have you, but we want to treat this as a business and we're going to do everything right. So this will help with that conversation. Yeah, I think you can say just because I want to remain friends with you if this goes left. Exactly. exactly. I love you. I want to make sure. (laughs) And this is why I don't do business with friends and I don't do living with Mm -hmm. friends (laughs) because I want to remain friends with them. But if I was to do a business, I think a business would be easier because, yeah, we would just you know, outline everything, have all the agreements mm-hmm. in place. And I'm glad that I know this now before I ever attempted to do that. So thank you for sharing that. Exactly. And before we jump into the lightning round, I'm curious to know how you mm-hmm. feel now working in your own firm versus when you worked mm-hmm. at a firm. I'm always working now, man. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> oh, really? like, what? Like, well, I'm only always working now. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. been one thing for sure, the reason why I did it is why I feel I feel more at peace okay. in that regard. It just feels like what I'm doing matters. Yes. It's not a drop in an, an ocean anymore. Like I'm speaking to people one-on-one mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, this is how I'm changing somebody's business. Yeah. A lot of it's, it's giving a little bit of narcissism right now, but, <laughs> but like it just... <laughs> The way I was saying it, but like it's fulfilling being able to see a business grow and know that you you played a part in it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's one. But then also not to get super deep, but I feel like I'm creating a legacy. Mm -hmm. I'm creating something of mine. It's something I have a daughter now. Let me tell you something. It's a game changer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, I mean, I have a daughter and a son. It's no gender wars here, guys. Yeah. But, like, it's just, like, I feel like I'm doing something really important. And, like, it's my name on something. Mm-hmm. It's something that I'm building. Right, right. Like, and even after I'm not here, mm-hmm. it will just, it will be here. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've created. Yeah. Right it's exciting for me. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. It's not gender wars at all. It's different lenses. I always mm-hmm. joke with my friends when I yeah. found out I was having a girl. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I'm going to have a little bit more explaining to do. Like, it's going to mm-hmm. be like, mommy, what's mm-hmm. this What's this wig about? What's <laughs> like, every, every little move now got to explain. <laughs> Everything. I'm going to, when, when we're done, I'll send it to you privately, but I'll send you Ara dragging my wig oh around. Oh my God. I think I saw like, it on your IG just, story. <laughs> you do, like, it's That's always so, me. Like, and yeah. I think, I think what it is, like I said, it's it's what it is because you see yourself in somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it can mess your right, mind because like right. you know now all of a sudden it's a problem because any millennial will know it's like we're always trying to overcorrect. Oh yeah. I'm already like, oh man, how do I make sure she doesn't get my bad habits? But you you don't you don't get to, you know? you don't get to design your child. You just <laughs> No, you don't you just shepherd them. Exactly. So so it's just like you feel there's a little extra pressure now, like to make sure that she's seeing the right thing. So yeah, it's 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 an exciting time. Oh. They talk too much. I feel like <laughs> even though she can't talk, I just feel like there's a lot of attitude with oh, her it's face. Coming. But, it's coming. Know. It's coming. <laughs> 
Okay, so I'm pulling up the lightning <laughs> round. Um, we're going to jump okay. into it. You just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? No. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So number one, what's a resource, not Google, that has helped you in your many businesses that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? SBA.gov, guys. I'm sorry. It's a very important one. And I feel like people don't think about it a lot. It's yeah. not just for loans. Okay. Even your local SBA association yes. can help you start a business. They can give you their advisors over there yes. that you can book appointments with that will help you do these things, a lot of things for free okay. and walk you through a lot of stuff. Just go on there. I say SBA.gov yeah. because you, then you're able to see a lot of government, mm. like they'll point you, they, they create it in a way that they can walk you through things. I do not have any stake in that business. Yes. I'm just telling you. Thanks because for that reminder. First off, yep, you're so mm-hmm. right. So small it's business a random association, site. guys. We'll link to that. Small yes. business association. The small business association, and each state will have their own small yes. business association. Like um, maybe not an accelerator, but things that they will help assist with. Right. Even things as simple as formation, but even also like just making sure you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And these, you can tap into those resources for free. Okay. Number two, who is a non-celebrity black woman entrepreneur that you would? Trade places with for a day and why? You. Ah. Yes. I want, I'm, no. It's gonna be but you know boring, this. No? I'm not even being funny. It's not going to be very boring. Honestly, let's trade life yeah. so you can deal with my daughter for now. But um, it, it is you. And this is like anybody that knows me personally oh. knows that. You know that I signed up for your yeah. um, podcast mobile right. course even before I met you because wow. I wanted to start a podcast. I think you're doing something really brilliant. I think for someone to go through from corporate into this mm-hmm. and like really create a space that's like dedicated and like, you know, a space that's actually speaking directly to women entrepreneurs, I think it's amazing, especially black women entrepreneurs. Yes. And you've done it for so long. Yeah. Like, bro, you're doing something really uh, amazing. I would, I would, I would trade right cry. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like no, you're doing something, you're most. impacting. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And excuse me, everybody knows Nikayla as one word. Even if I say Nikalia because I named <laughs> you, like <laughs> whatever the situation. Yeah. You're the only one I'll let you remix it like that. <laughs> thank you. But you know what I mean? Like we know who you are mm-hmm. and you're doing something amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day? 30 minutes of silence I have before I hear my daughter cry in the morning. <laughs> so I try to wake up at least 30 minutes earlier than her mm-hmm. because um, I have, for instance, I have ADHD like mm-hmm. diagnosed. I also um, have many like business sis yes. that I have to check on and make sure I'm burning. So for me, it's just even being able to get just complete silence in the morning before. So I'm not starting my day on a like very Heck like think. antsy, like, you know, high pitched days. Yeah. It's the game changer for me. I need to start doing that so that's more it. consistently. Because every time oh, yeah. I do, I yeah. love it. But then I just sleep calls me. Yeah, and I, sleep. But no, I need mm-hmm. to because I feel good every time I do it. Even if it's 30 minutes. Yeah, just even 30 something. minutes. I just need something. with my tea mm-hmm. and my thoughts. What is mm-hmm. a personal trait that has helped you significantly in business? It's the vibes, girl. It's the vibes. <laughs> One thing about me, I'm not down for long. Yeah. So tenacity is really important when you're doing your business. But you find out even more when mm-hmm. you're an entrepreneur mm-hmm. because there will be punches. There will be punches. And there's no time, like there's only so much time you can do to take it personal and wallow. Otherwise, like business is ever, it's it's a super volatile situation, regardless of what industry it is. Like you, especially being a business owner. So you like, they're almost like, you can have minutes, you can have hours, you can have days, you can yeah. have weeks, but yeah. you have to get up at some point and figure out what your strategy is, whether it's to move, exit, keep going, whatever it is, it's a trait that I'm finding to be very helpful. So I will have moments where it's like, okay, I'm burnt out. Mm-hmm. Or it's moments where it's like, okay, this is not going well. Yeah. It's also moments of like, um, why is this tax bill $10,000 uh... or something crazy? <laughs> but it's that grit in terms of coming back up. That's really important to me. And then finally, number five, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are holding on to that steady paycheck? Mm-hmm. That paycheck is bay. Let's not lie. Yep. That paycheck is bay. And it's okay. It doesn't matter how long it takes for you yeah. to figure out the numbers and for you to save that money. You don't have to rush it. I know that we all follow our guts and everything, and it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing for you to do that, but it's okay. It's also absolutely okay if you decide that you want to build that money. Yeah. And once you're ready, like just put a number in mind, put a timeline in mind if you want, but also know that it's okay if you decide that that paycheck is great for a longer period of time. 
But then once you're ready, do it. Like I said, it took me months to decide to, to quit my firm job. But then one day it just came out of my mouth. Mm. So one day it was just like, okay, so I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is my, <laughs> this is my notice. <laughs> my God. And then you just do it. So yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm sure <laughs> people are going to want to connect with you after this episode. What's the best place for them to reach out, stay in touch? Oh, so I have um, so many places, guys. I'm everywhere, like I said. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Kumbi ESQ, Kumbi esque. <laughs> um, you can also find me at kumbio.com, shop contract templates at legally set and oh, legally set.com. Okay. And there you have it, you guys. I will talk to you next week. Kumbi, thank you so much for being in the guest chair. This was amazing. Thank you so much. I loved our lab. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, guys, take care. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six bullet Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.